with us on a journey into the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable. We will test your senses. Science and religion clash. Or do they? You will meet real people and hear real stories, but you will not believe. You will witness strange sights and hear strange sounds, but you will not believe. This is the New England Ghost Project. Welcome to the Nightmare. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day, everyone. Somewhere, it's somewhere, something. Anyways, I am Ron Kolick, your host, the gatekeeper around the unknown, the unexplained, and the unbelievable New England's own Van Helsing. With me today is uh, a gentleman who I've had on the show before, which, you know, I, I started doing research on him. And I said, this guy seems very familiar. And I was right, because he informed me that I... Uh, did have him on the show. His name is Marty. Marty, say your last name because I'll butcher it. Seibel. Seibel. Uh, yeah, rhymes with Bible. Okay, so I, I'll call you Marty and it solves that problem. And That's you are, and uh, you are with the Ghosts of Sa- Ghost of Stanton. Stanton Walking Ghost Tours. You can say uh, Stanton or Stanton. <laughs> it's pronounced both ways. Oh, God. I don't know why. Where's Ann when I need her? <laughs> <laughs> I I absolutely have a, a huge problem with names. I just butcher every name that's absolutely presented in front of me. So I do apologize in advance. Oh, that's so, <laughs> so how how long have you been in the paranormal? Um, I actually started in late 1999. So I'm going into my 24th year. No, that's good. Um, that's just good basically writing. a hobby. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of the things I'd see on the Travel Channel, the History Channel, a lot of locations to go to. You know, I'd say I always wanted to do that. And so basically have. I've been all over the country. <laughs> it's been a blast. So, before, what what drew you in? Was it the history of it or something else? It, it was pretty much the history. But, I mean, I've always had, had a thing for the paranormal and ghost stories, even when I was a young child. Um, but I had prior to that, I had I was really a big sports guy. I played a lot of softball, a lot of activities, and I was winding down doing that, getting older, and had some some injuries, and so I eventually just hung it up. And there was about a two year gap where I was just really looking to get into something. I, mean, I missed playing ball, but you know, so um, having having an interest in history and the paranormal. Okay. All right, so uh, Marty, just before uh, the paranormal stepped in, we broke connection. Uh, I was asking you, was there a particular TV show or book that uh, uh, led you towards the paranormal? Okay, you were well, intrigued at. I, I think very early on, Ghost of Hunters was, you know, I, I watched them, you know, when they first began. Um, I'd read stuff like Troy Taylor, John Zappas. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mark Beland, um Jeff Belanger, excuse me, <laughs> mm-hmm. those type of things, and just really, you know, enjoyed the books, enjoyed the, the you know, what I watched, and again, a really strong emphasis. I, I love history. I'm, I'm very well versed in Civil War history, Revolutionary War. Um, just enjoy it. And it, it's a, a big area down here for that, particularly Civil War history, where I'm in right. Virginia. Yeah, we, you know, a good friend of mine is Mike Nesbitt from Gettysburg. So yeah, right. I know Mark very well. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's it, a great area down there. So, uh, were you born and raised in Virginia? No, originally I'm from Baltimore, Maryland, but you could not tell it by the way I speak. <laughs> <laughs> I've lived in Virginia now about <clears throat> about 50 years and, and really have the, the southern accent now. But um, I'm surprised. I, I don't think you have that much of a southern accent. Really? Well, I, I get I get cracks on it all the time. <laughs> really? <laughs> yep. I do. So you moved from Poe country to Civil War country? I did, pretty much, yeah. <laughs> I did. And um, here in Staunton, or Stanton, we're located right in the heart of the Shenandoah Valley. And it was a very active area during the Civil War. Uh, matter of fact, it was an objective of the Union Army. It didn't fall till late 1864 uh, because of a direct rail link to Richmond, Virginia in the capital of the Confederacy. So we have a lot of Civil War history right here in, in our town, and we our ghost tours uh, encompass a lot of that. And so before we go any further, the name of your ghost tours are? Uh, it's Ghost of Stanton Walk-In Ghost Tours, and our website is ghostofstanton.com. Okay, there you go. So uh, 
I noticed like this, you have a ton of different ones that mm-hmm. uh, are on there. And uh, do you want to uh, give us a rundown on some of them? Uh, sure, absolutely. Well, I'll tell you too how I actually got started into this. Uh, oh yeah, that's that's how we started. I forgot until we got broken up. Yeah, my apologies. <laughs> well, I got to give credit to my girlfriend because behind every man there's a good woman, <laughs> and my girlfriend actually, this was back in two thousand and seven. She was she telling me, yeah, of course I'm really into paranormal investigating it at that point, and I was doing it quite a bit. And she would say, you know, you really need to start a ghost tour down here because that's one of the things we do anytime we travel if we're going to a city or something. We're always taking a ghost tour. So she said, you really need to start one here in Stanton. She said, we don't have one. You know, you love history. I think it'd be great. And I would, I would tell her for, you know, long this time, I don't have time. I can't do that. I don't, you know. And eventually I just got to thinking about it. And, you know, I thought, well, yeah, I could. And I, I started to research more in depth with the history, putting some of the stories together and talking and interviewing people and put it together. And we launched it in October of 2008. And then we're celebrating our 16th season now. And I remember when I first started the tours, it was just me and two other guides when we first began the tours in 2008 and we only did one route and now it's grown so much that we offer four or five different tours and I actually have 10 guides under me now. I stay more involved with running the website, the social media, the promotion and all that. And it's pretty much become a year round thing now. When we first offered it the first year, it was just seasonal. We just did it for the month of October, but it did so well. We just decided to bring it back. We started it a little bit earlier in the year. And so now we're pretty much, we do ghost tours pretty much 10 months out of 12 where we're doing something or another. And it's, it's, uh, I enjoy it. I, I love to do the, I do our own web design. I do everything on social media, the promotion. I like to speak about it. I, I, you know, I talk with people here. Uh, some of the schools will invite me out and nursing homes. I love to talk to the people out there, the residents. And um, it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah, some of the tours we do, we have uh, what we call our traditional Stanton Haunted History Tour. It's a 90-minute walk through town, and it features strictly the history and the paranormal experiences at each stop. Um, we base all, all of the experiences on people's personal experiences that have lived here or in the location, whether it be a business or whatnot. Uh, we feature some places such as Mary Baldwin University, um, several uh, businesses through town on Beverly Street, as well as our depot station. And our depot station has a strong connection, as again, I said, with the Civil War being a direct link to Richmond. So much Civil, his- Civil War history with that. Now, that's one of our tours. And the other tour, one of our other tours that's very popular, we call Dark Tales and Hearts in the Queen City. This is a little bit different. It's not just your, really your ghost tour. It's kind of a uh, combination of a history, mystery, legend, lore. It features a little bit darker side of our town here. And I'll give you an example. One of the stops is across from our old western state lunatic asylum the asylum it dates back to 1828 it's most noted for uh, a dr joseph de jarnett um, who was head over it in 1905 to 1943 he was a big proponent of eugenics and so we get a lot into the eugenics movement here some of the sterilizations as well as some of the treatments back in the day are there as well as ghost stories as well it's a very popular tour like like I said, it's a little bit of a combination of everything. Some of the darker secrets of town. And then we have another tour, our depot tour, strictly features around the history and some of the stories in our depot. But we do some stuff, paranormally speaking. We introduce people to pieces of equipment that we may oh, use on investigations, such as an EMF meter. We also share EVP with them that we've captured out in the field as well as the, the depot station. And, and I'm a real big I'm real big on audio and EVP. It's, that's my bag. And one of the things I like to do with the guests when we have them down there and we play EVP for them, I will tell them the situation, how it was captured, where it was captured. I just will not tell them what I think it's saying. I don't want to plant that seed of suggestion. I want them to tell me what they hear. And then right. we discuss it a little bit further, how we come to our conclusion. Because I know as soon as I say what it, you know, what I believe it to be, everybody will, or most everybody will agree with me. And I, I don't want that. We'd like to have discussion, interaction with it. And then we introduce them to the spirit box. We do the same thing. We place a spirit box clips for them. And then we do a live session with the group in which they can participate based on the history and the stories and information we give them. Uh, and we actually, we record it while it's going on. And whether or not we hear anything real time with it, uh, regardless, we review it after the tour. And if there's anything significant, I will put it up on our website. I'll also put it on our YouTube channel as well for people to go back. I'll tell them usually give me about two or three weeks to to get it reviewed and get it up on our YouTube channel and then check back. 
And uh, one of the things like I do when I introduce them to audio and we're talking about the box and stuff, I never guarantee an experience on our tours. It just doesn't work that way. But, you know, you just never know. Sometimes things happen in this field when you least expect it. I find that's my, my experiences. Uh, and then the last tour we have, we just started that. We call it our Victorian Ghostly Encounters. It's one of our more famous houses here in town. It's called the Spots Coffin House. Nice Victorian home. Dates back to uh, late 1880s. It's most noted for being haunted by a lady named Charlotte Kaufman. We uh, actually take people on a short uh, walk around the block there. We're talking about Victorian traditions, superstitions, culture back in the time. Some of the things such as post-mortem photography, different things like that, seances. And then we walk them up to the house, tell them the stories with Miss Charlotte Kaufman. And then from there, we turn it over to the people that live there now. And they take them in for a further tour inside the house. And we just kicked that off about three weeks ago, our first oh, time wow. for that. Sounds interesting. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. a little bit different different speed uh, take on it, so so to speak. Excuse mm-hmm. me, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's it's good you're putting the people who own the house to work. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> no, but actually but it's, it's first hand experiences, right? It is. It is. And they can share more. I mean, we've, we've had a, a collection of stories and everything of these people that are retired now. And they've owned the house actually for five, or they bought it five years ago. And they've been living in there for about two years. And they have had things happen in there. And they've done extensive research now on Miss Charlotte um, Kaufman. She was known in Stanton as the Black Widow and um, <laughs> believed to have killed possibly her second husband. And actually, she's been acquitted of that now. Um, he died of natural causes. But she was a very eccentric lady in town. And back in that time, with Stanton being a small town, there was small town talk and gossip. Some of the things she did and with some of the things that happened, she kind of got a bad reputation with that. So we've been able to research a little bit further into it and find out a little bit more about her. We do present that. Um, it's an interesting tour, though. It, it is. And the home's beautiful. It's it's, got, it's creepy, but yet it's beautiful. Does that make is sense? it Victorian? It is a Victorian home. Yeah. With the yeah. gables and so forth. Or... It's it's very nice. And, yeah, um, like I said, we, we were limited what we can do with that particular tour because some of our tours, we get large groups for this because of the number of people we can take inside the home. It's right around 15 to 20 people per tour. Right. So, yep. yeah, it sounds intriguing. Now, do you um, do you use the mediums at all in any of your tours? Um, we don't now, but we have in the past. Uh, this mm-hmm. year, we're not. Our medium that was with us had to take off sometimes. She actually broke her foot Ouch. several weeks ago. So we are we are not this season, but we have. We have in other, other tours and other events. And we've had mediums within our paranormal group as well. Over the years, we've worked with um, a few. Yeah. Do you use, like, for instance, uh, dowsing rods or pendulums or that type of stuff in, on any of your tours? Or we don't on our tours, but we have had we have had mediums within our group that have used such on paranormal investigations right. when we've been out in the field or wherever. We've done that, but not on our tours yet. Yeah, I'm just trying to get um, uh, people to understand what your tours are about and, and what they're doing. Yeah. So you're more of equipment. Uh, oriented. It's more of the ones. equipment tech, yeah, because that's, that's the kind of guy I am. I'm the equipment tech guy, just you know, kind of rational with a lot of stuff I do. And it's all of them are history based. You know, we do go into a lot of the history, even the dark tour, when we do know things to be legend and lore, we present it as such if there's no evidence to back that up, um, so to speak. But I find one of the things with our 16th season, and it's grown. I mean, it has grown tremendously since when we began in 2008. But it's a challenge to to be creative with the tours and what we present. And, you know, I, I don't like for things to get stale. So we do constantly research, talk with people. We'll put different angles and spins on stuff. Um, you know, uh, anything that's, that's, that's new. And we're very interactive through social media with, our, you know, the people that follow us and, you know, support us. And you know, it's it's it's. I enjoy it. I really do. I, I I I tell my girlfriend now. I said, you know, I really appreciate you giving me that nudge. And it's funny because when I did tell her, okay, I'm going to do this, uh, she goes to. She says, no, you can't. I'm like, what are you talking about? She says, you can't do it. You don't have the personality to stand up and talk. <laughs> Come on. So, well, you but have I'm a very good personality. 
<laughs> well, I've, I've had a lot of practice. I was, uh, you know, through school and stuff, kind of more a shy, reserved type person. But I find with the interest with this and being so much self-absorbed into it or absorbed into it, that it comes naturally. And I think the more you talk about it and just be honest and share your feelings and thoughts, um, you know, it's, it's like I said, it's taken off. Um, so I, I still enjoy it as, as much as I did the day I, I started it back in 2008. Same thing with the paranormal investigating. Yeah, we're going to get into that uh, probably after the break. But uh, I noticed on your website, and you're talking about honesty, and I think this is probably one of the most honest statements I've ever seen on a website. It says, perhaps the most haunted city in Virginia. Nobody uses (laughs) perhaps. It's always the most haunted city. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I say perhaps because I... Sometimes I question some things. And the reason we went with that is because our city, um, our visitor center and tourism department actually came up with something. And they said, you know, with as much stuff as you have going on here, we believe it to be the most haunted town in Virginia, you know, because of some of the stories and stops. But I also like I I go to say, like, not all of our tours, particularly like with the dark tour, revolve around hauntings. You know, uh, some of it's just strictly could be a crime story, could be an unsolved murder story. I mean, on that tour, we have stories of uh, unsolved murders that are still unsolved to this day. We have some where there's, there's evidence that there's been cover up um, with our police department and some of these. So it's kind of, you know, like I said, it's not only just ghost stories, but yeah, that's how that kind of stuff. So I just, I'm kind of playing it safe, perhaps. <laughs> You know, it's amazing that, you know, we you talk about some of these unsolved cases and uh, with the science that's out there today, they're, they're actually beginning to solve some of these cases. And here in uh, Massachusetts, we just solved the, the Lady of the Dunes, whose body was found uh, buried in uh, the dunes in Cape Cod, her, her uh, finger uh, oh, wow. cut off the tops of her fingers, her... You know, teeth was removed. Uh, she was disemboweled and, uh, I mean, disem- chopped up. And uh, they they finally uh, were able to solve it. Uh, it. In fact, I think her husband was from Pennsylvania or something. But, uh, yeah, that was the one. But, you know, it's amazing. Wow. Like you're, said, absolutely, you're absolutely right with the techniques and everything available today with DNA and all that. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah, that's – and, and – the funny part about it, too, is that uh, people have really gotten into uh, their ancestry. You know, mm-hmm. they want to know where they came from and everything else. And, and of course, the Ancestry.com is offering that DNA test, which people take willingly. And uh, that's how they ended up solving uh, this particular case was they, they, re- they had some DNA on something. I forget what it was, but... Uh, able to run it they found a a relative that had a close match and then they were able to go from there to, to finish it off so these wow. uh, and it's not the first case there, there are many many cases that, that that's happening for people that have taken this ancestry test and other tests like it and uh, mm-hmm. it's on file and they've been able to uh, get a match and and track down to match they, it up right yeah you know it might be the, the yeah, son it's of, amazing yeah so some of these cases may end up being solved, and it will be intriguing to see, uh, you know, what the legends are, what the stories are, and how they actually correlate to the facts. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we have one story on our dark tour. Where we had a, uh, a murder that was committed here in 1969. Um, two high school girls were murdered in a in a high's ice cream store. Were shot, and. It went unsolved for the longest time, and they had actually arrested two people, two men here in town, and they were later acquitted. Um, and it just went unsolved till early 2000s, 2004, 2005. A lady had actually made a deathbed confession that she was the one that murdered them because they were teasing her in school about being a lesbian. Oh, wow. And so then she went on to further implicate the police department as far as covering it up and hiding the murder weapon. This made wow. the, the Washington Post. I'm not sure if it made the USA Today, but I do know it made the Washington Post. Hmm. And so, uh, yeah, that's one of our stories. So I have another question on you and, and about history. Sure. And uh, hmm? I see the Queen City Ghost Tour. 
So mm-hmm. why is it the Queen City? <laughs> well, it's it's a thing that we do. Um, it's a specific, I call it, like a specialty tour. We offer it because they have a, an event here in town called the Queen City Mischief and Magic. It actually revolves around the Harry Potter movies and, and but, all, but they could not use that name, so they just decided to name it the Queen City Mischief and Magic. But the Queen City actually is a nickname that derives for Stanton in the early days because of the fine quality of life here, the Victorian culture, the architect architecture here in town. And so it was named one of your finer cities in the state of Virginia in the Shenandoah Valley, and it just became known as the Queen City of the Shenandoah Valley. So that's where the Queen City kind of come from and what we do with that particular tour we actually offer four of our most haunted or most popular stops from our other tours feature them on there and it's kind of a shorter version we do like an hour because we have so many people come in for this event this queen city mischief and magic we'll have about 20 to twenty-five thousand people in town for this so we'll literally be running tours friday and saturday uh, every half hour for as long as we can but uh yeah that i hope that answers it as far as the queen city Okay. And uh do you what what is what is your favorite uh location in town to uh talk about? <laughs> um well I like I like to talk about there's a building that's just on the outskirts of town. Actually it's two buildings. It's called the T Jarnet Sanatorium. Um mm-hmm. It, it it's really an extension of Western State Lunatic Asylum, and it was named after Doctor again Doctor Joseph D. Jarnett. Uh, if you ever get a chance to look up some of the history in him, he was a pretty um, interesting fellow. But like I said earlier, he was a big proponent, a big proponent of eugenics. Um, and as I said, they did sterilizations here uh, at Western State all the way up to I think the last one they did was like 1972. Wow. He lived till 1953. And I've told of the 8,000 sterilizations that they conducted at Western State, he personally performed about 1,200 of those. He also has a point out called Mendel's Law, which I don't quite remember right now. But one of the things that was interesting was Adolf Hitler was a big fan of Dr. T. Jarnett's, and I believe they can. Oh, well, to talk about that, but we got to take a break right now. So uh, we come okay. back. Uh, Marty's going to tell us the relationship between uh, Hitler and uh, this program that he was in. Anyways, you're listening to Ghost Chronicles uh, Next Generation with Ron Kolick. My special guest is Marty Stiple of. Uh, yep. Ghosts of Stanton, and we'll be right. Uh, whoop, excuse me. We're brought to you by Circles of Wisdom, 286 Merrimack Street, Methuen, Massachusetts, the Glant Messier Family Law Group, 15 High Street, North Andover, Massachusetts. And our very good friends on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon, you too can become a member of the Dead Air Society and join us on Ghost Chronicles Radio and Patreon for three bucks a month and you get access to over 50 exclusive videos. So uh, we're right here broadcast on Tojinet Radio, and we'll be right back after the following messages. Do you have a paranormal event, book, or something else you want people to know about? Then why not advertise it on Ghost Chronicles Radio? With over 150,000 downloads a month, get your message out to an audience that's interested in the subject. We have a plan at a cost that fits your needs. For more information, contact Ron Kolick at anyghostproject at comcast.net or call 978-455-6678. Hello. Hello, can you hear me? My name is Harry Price. I am speaking to you via the medium of the Ghost Box. Many of you will know I carried out the first live radio broadcast from Haunted House way back in 1936 for the BBC. Now, thanks to the wonders of modern technology, I am still able to keep abreast of 21st century ghost hunting by listening to Ghost Chronicles International on Togginet, Parax Radio, The Ghost Channel, and even on something called a podcast. Two splendid chaps host it. One is an American who calls himself New England's own Van Helsing. Although I have discovered his real name is Ron Kolek. 
The other is Stephen Parsons, and he's a paranormal scientist. Well, mustache, I'm required elsewhere on something called a K2. But don't forget, I'll be listening in every Tuesday from 8 o'clock in Great Britain and 3 o'clock on the American Eastern Seaboard. I trust you will join me there. And we are back. You are listening to Ghost Chronicles Next Generation with Ron. My special guest is Marty Stiebel right here on Tojanet Radio. So, Marty, just before the break, you started talking about a connection between Hitler and the eugenics program in uh, Staunton. Right. Yep. Um, and again, this was through Dr. Joseph D. Jarnett. Like I said, he was a big proponent of eugenics. And Hitler became kind of infatuated with what we were doing here. And so they had a little bit of connection, um, some interaction there. And I know, um, of course, then Germany started the program as well. And of course, they, they took it up a, a step further with from, you know, sterilization to extermination. But mm-hmm. yeah, there was some, some contact in regards to that. And I know Dr. Joseph D. Jarnett is on record as saying, because he got aggravated, very upset later on in the process, because he's on record as saying the Germans are beating us at our own game. Oh, Such was the movement with the eugenics program. Yes. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, and one of the things with Western State Lunatic Asylum, they not only sterilize people there that might have, you know, um, with mental deficiencies or whatnot, it became a situation where if you were an addict, if you were biracial, uh, you were a ward on society, and you ended up at Western State Lunatic Asylum, there's a good chance you're going to be sterilized. And um, so, yeah, it went a little bit further, further than that, and it was a big movement with it. And um, in regards to talking about that location, these two buildings are just down the road from Western State Lunatic Asylum, and they're called the Detroit Sanatorium. Now, we don't know specifically if they did sterilizations in there, but because that it houses or has his name attached to it, of course, there's a lot of interest on it with, on it with social media and whatnot. Um, we were fortunate enough to be able to do ghost tours for about four years on the property. Um, the Frontier Culture Museum, which is a historical society here in town, they actually own the property, and they gave us permission to do tours. Uh, one tour every Saturday in October, they allow us a two-hour window from like 4 p.m. to 6 p.m. I've got to tell you, it's very hard to do a ghost tour in broad daylight, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we were able to do it. Uh, we would walk people up to the front of the buildings. And one of the things, one of the stipulations with this tour was we could never take anybody inside the buildings uh, because there were safety and liability issues. There's right. a lot of asbestos. There's some areas that aren't structurally sound, so we couldn't take them in. We only take them like 50 feet from the, the buildings. So what I would do is actually I would put a tour guide up on the steps, and I would hook him up with the microphone. And then there was like a small lot down below that kind of expanded out to like a, a mini parking lot. And the people, our guests, could just branch out, take photographs, and get all the information. And then I would put security on both sides of the building to make sure nobody would wander around. But anyways, every tour that we did, um, the last year that we did them, which was in 2016, we had over 100 people for every tour and could easily accommodate that. The last tour we did there, we had 175 people. Now, where my story was, (laughs) once we got out of the public eye, you know, we're on social media, and then we had some of the television stations here locally come and do stories on us and whatnot the amount of break-ins and vandalism went off the charts there Uh, i mean you had people there all the time and so they eventually just shut it down now they have security cameras up all over the place and they've actually blocked the entrances in and out of the buildings with what looks like two mounds of dirt it's actually two mounds of manure (laughs) Ah. there's people that still dig through that to get in there Another thing with it too, we do they do have some homeless people that are in and out of there, and there are some things with some addicts and stuff that are in and out of there too as well. Because it, the buildings are located fairly close to the highway in our interstate, so um, it's unfortunate. The Frontier Culture Museum has actually wanted to be rid of the buildings; they want them torn down, and a lot of it has to do with the history. They're just a, it's just a nuisance. They sit there empty, and they've had since 1996 when the buildings when they actually did close, the location closed. 
they've had about six or seven bids on the property and all these different things that we're, we're going to go forward. And every one of them has fallen through. Uh, the last was in 2016. We were notified they were going to put a mall in there. And, of course, the, the next year, and of course, that didn't happen. But uh, it's probably my favorite location in town. It was always like on my bucket list to do. I always wanted to investigate it. And I would ask the curator at the Frontier Culture Museum. I would offer him one. He ate John, thanks John Avoli, ex-mayor of Stanton here. Why don't you give us an opportunity to investigate? You know, I'd pay you so much. Give us to, to us for eight hours. And, oh, right. But he, he, he just never would. And I told him, I said, look, we'll sign waivers. We'll do anything you want. and We'll keep it under wraps however you want. And he was kind of baffled. He said, you, you mean you really like to, people like to go into buildings late at oh, night? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> but we yeah. never could. We never could. And so it, it kind of faded. I have over the years, I'd say in the last, well, just in the last three or four years, I've been contacted by um, the show Ghost Asylum as well as Destination Fear, because they've seen online that we used to do ghost tours there, and they've inquired about information, what do you have to do to get into the buildings? And so I give them the telephone number to contact the Frontier Culture Museum, wish them the best of luck, of which they probably have none. And that's the last year of it. Yeah, you know, it's funny, uh, Marty, especially, you know, you've been around for a long time as as well as myself. And and back in the early days, you developed a rapport with a lot of places. You... You know, you, you treated them with respect and, and you earned their respect. And then they treat you. I mean, there's a place going back to uh, this weekend and uh, they've been approached by uh, all, you know, all the major shows, Ghost Adventures, Ghost uh, Brothers, a bunch of them to mm-hmm. do investigations and they won't let anybody go in. They just, we're the only ones that have been allowed to, to do it. And it's only because we developed at a core and they realized that we weren't there to, you know, make money off them or, or anything else. So you were, you know, so it's, it's, right. it's sad. And I, I understand that for mm-hmm. sure. I mean, it's with what your rapport is with them and a lot, I think a lot of them understand too what some, I know in some of our t- talks with them, it was about, you know, well, how would it end up? I mean, how would it be portrayed? Would it be portrayed in a negative light? Exactly. Like, for example, yeah. somebody to come in there, would they say there's a, a demon or there's a demonic force in there? You know, mm-hmm. so they were concerned about those type of things, which I get it. I certainly understand that. Um, but, you know, like I said, I, uh, <laughs> I, I I give the information and I tell them, I say, you need to contact and then wish them, you know, good luck to you. And I pretty much know nothing. It's not going to happen. They're just not going to allow right. it. And uh, over the years, nobody's talked with the Frontier Culture more than myself in regards to the tours and the paranormal and some of the history there as well. Um, they do, and even to this day, they still have a lot of people that break in the vandalism, the uh, you know, urban explorers, amateur ghost hunters, yeah, you name it. Um, and what they've done, and we do this is one of the things we do on our tours. We do tell people and, and explain, hey, look, if you're caught on the property, it's a twenty-five hundred dollar fine. It's twenty mm-hmm. hours community service. And then you pay court costs. Um, and just 10 years ago, that would have been a $500 fine. So they've actually upped that to 2500 now. They're trying to keep and, But there's still people that will take a chance, and they'll go in there, and the next thing you know, you'll see it on YouTube or something. Really? Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they do. They'll still put it out here locally. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I learned very early on, and, you know, when I started with paranormal investigating, and if you couldn't get access to a location, you just move on to someplace else. You just be respectful and you don't, you don't push right. it. You know, for whatever the reason may be, that's, that's fine. You just go to the next location. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. If not, that's fine. And, but I do try to, you know, you try to tell people, and some people do, they take it and they listen. Other people don't. They're hell-bent on, on breaking in. And I see a lot of the conversations. Whenever we post something on social media or something in regards to DJRNA or Western State, we see a lot of, you know, you get a lot of chatter in there. Things will be shared. And you see some of the stuff where people are going to come up and, you know, go in there. Man, it's unfortunate. Sad, actually. There's yeah, it is. No, no it respect is. For, for anything or anything. No respect. Else. And I've, I've, in some situations where I've been able to catch it, I've actually been able to notify the Frontier Culture Museum of such if I know it's taking place, if someone's actually actively, you know, trying to do that. Because, you know, it's it's just, it's wrong and it's, it's hurtful to the field and everybody else that tries to do it the right way. Right, exactly. So, way back in the beginning of the show, uh, you were talking about how you started a paranormal group, group, excuse me, 
<laughs> what is the name of your, your group and uh, how did you start it, really? Well, the name of our group is Black Raven Paranormal. Um, and I started it, actually began it in 2005. Just prior to that, um, my girlfriend and I, we were both into doing the haunted B&Bs and traveling or whatnot. But we, we joined the paranormal group out of Richmond, Virginia. And uh, we enjoyed our time there. We weren't with them very long, and they folded. And one of the things kind of with it was the travel distance from here to Richmond. It was, you know, two and a half hours. And so it didn't last very long. It folded. And then I was just sitting around here, and I thought, you know, it might be a good idea to, to form a paranormal group with people with similar interest. So we formed a group and originally called it the Shenandoah Valley Paranormal Society, of which we changed the name later in 2013 to Black Raven Paranormal. I think that might be connected somewhat to my connection to Baltimore. Uh, yeah. But it's been black. <laughs> it's been black raven paranormal ever since. Um, you know, we've one of the things with the group, and we had taken on various different um, members, membership levels in the group. So when it was Central Valley Paranormal Society, it actually got quite large. It's kind of hard to handle and hard to manage. One of the things I find most interesting about when you have a paranormal group is, to me now, and I've learned that through the years, smaller is better. Um, and you really have to vet the people that you bring into your group Um, because there's a lot of different ideologies there's people that you know uh don't take it as serious or they might do things and you know we're real big on you're not going to trespass you're not going to you know you know because i represent the group it's my it's our name and um you know over the years i had to go through a lot of process to learn that to go through it now the group's much smaller we do things here we don't do quite as many residential investigations as we used to mainly because some of our jobs and stuff, and we are getting older. I'm actually going to be 62 next month. I hate saying that. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, we're getting a little bit older, so we're slowing down a little bit. But we like to travel, and I like some of the historic locations where something appeals. We like to do, you know, we'll set up investigations. We still travel, you know. I'd say it's a good bit for, you know, where we're at in our lives, all of us. But we have a good time with it. I I enjoy the camaraderie, camaraderie, excuse me, with our, our members you know, on our trips and stuff with locations. I love the history of the locations we go to. I love meeting and making new friends and in the field and, and just, you know, learning as much as I can. I find myself still, I'm still learning something new every day. And that's, that's one of the things I like the most about the paranormal, you know, um, but that, Actually, that's, just, that's know, what like life's it. all about, Monty, is learning. If we stop learning, you are dead. I mean, let's face it, there's so much Absolutely. out there. And so many mysteries Absolutely. in this universe that that's what we're here for. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, I, 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 even me, like I said, I'm a big civil war buff, but I learn something new every time I go to Gettysburg. You know, every time I go to Gettysburg, and I love Gettysburg. I've been there so many times. And that's actually where my paranormal journey started, was in Gettysburg in 99. I actually stayed at the Cash Town Inn. Oh, yeah. Just a year yeah, later. Yeah, that's cool. At the, Far- at the Farnsworth House. I've been to the Farnsworth House now about 10 times. And I will share one personal experience, because um, <laughs> I don't have a whole lot in 20, 20, 24 years. Most of mine involve audio, you know, a disembodied voice. But very early on, when um, I got into this, and Lisa and I, on the side, outside the paranormal group, we would take trips, weekend trips, to a haunted B&B or tavern or whatnot. And we hit so many. But the very first time I had taken her out, we decided to do the Farnsworth House in Gettysburg. Uh, like I said, I love, love Gettysburg. Gettysburg Civil War history and you know we go there quite a bit but anyways we decided to do a two-night stay in the Farnsworth house and um, I remember our first night in we checked into the Catherine Sweeney room and as normal with Lisa and myself um, you know she goes to bed about 10 10 30 I'm a night owl creature of the night I'm up to about three uh, I will tell you, prior to going up here, we did know that house was haunted. We had seen a few things about it on the Travel Channel. So, you know, we were excited. Our very first haunted B&B out, and we were very excited. But anyways, that first night, that Friday night, she's out by 10, 1030. I'm up till 3. Uh, about 3, I turn off the light, and you know how you're just starting to drift off to sleep. The bed's comfortable. I felt like I was on a cloud. I mean, it just, I was so relaxed. So, you know, it's the bed's warm. I mean, just, I was in heaven. <laughs> and the next thing I know, she wakes up screaming her head off, and she's digging her nails. She's raking my arm, and I'm literally Ouch. off the bed about two feet. I'm like, what the, what the hell's wrong with you? <laughs> what? 
and she said there was a woman in our room and i went oh no 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 Lisa, no <laughs> she's up on the bed screaming for a full minute and i said you gotta be quiet you're gonna wake everybody up in this house i said please settle settle down S- settle down slowly tell me what happened what did you see where when what so she did she, she says well you know she actually had her back to the fireplace so she's facing in toward me she said she felt a tap up on her shoulder she didn't pay it any mind, and then a few minutes later, it was like a little nudge on the bottom of her shoulder blade. Still didn't pay it any mind. Short time after that, she felt a solid push on her hip, so she rolled over, and she said standing right above the bed, looking down on her, was a a woman in Victorian clothing. She was semi-transparent. Her hair was in a bun. She looked very sad. She had the color she described uh, like a sepia photograph, you know, the sepia color tone that's that's what she looked like uh lisa said the woman was close enough she could have taken her arm and put it right through her she said she again she looked very sad she could describe the design on her blouse but the thing that really freaked her out she said they locked eyes she screamed and poof she was gone and then that's where i come in (laughs) so i got her calmed down and i'm like okay my mind saying you just had a bad dream look we're both excited i mean i want it more than you do probably we're just both very excited and you know, if this is a bad dream, I'll leave the bathroom light on for you. And I said, when we go down for breakfast in the morning, we'll tell the staff and see what they say. So she was fine with that. So she, I, I kid you not, five minutes later, she's out and she's just snoring away. And I'm thinking, oh, God, because I'm going to be honest with you with this happen. I didn't tell her this, but I was keyed up. I was excited. I was like, wow, I'm getting mm-hmm. cameras out. And I got a camera on the bed. I got a camera around the fireplace. I got a camera on the closet. I'm like, oh, God, I hope she comes back. I don't <laughs> tell people, 
hey, I didn't have her snoring. I didn't have her elbow or any head. I slept like a baby. <laughs> so maybe, but, maybe it was I mean, just it, because of, she was a woman that she, that's why she was attracted to her. Well, I do. I do think so. I do. Because and one of the things initially, because she did investigate with us early on and she kind of got, she's not a night person. So she tells me now, she says, you go on a run, run along, play with your friends. Just don't bring anybody home. You know, don't play the equipment mm-hmm. in the house. And I'm like, okay, that's a deal. And so, you know, I've, I've kind of went out and, and, and done my thing. But I found out early on when some of the stuff that we would do when she would be with us, uh, and she was a skeptic starting out, but she would have some things happen. She would have things happen around her. And I would joke around with people that we use, we would use her for ghost <laughs> But she would have things happen. And I know one of the things that we had talked or looked into it, you know, where I, I do personally think women are, are more likely to have a fair more experience as a man just because in my situation experiences, I think they're more in tune with their senses and what's going on around them. And it couldn't be any more true than with Lisa and myself. She's paying attention to everything that's going on. And I'm looking at my phone, checking the ball scores. And I'm like, oh, dang, we're losing again tonight. <laughs> so it's probably, it's probably a circus going on behind me, but that, you know, that, that's how it's kind of rolled with her and I. And I just got by our personal experiences, but I love to share that. I actually share this story that I just told you on many of our tours when I'm introducing the guide, because I do like to still connect with our guests and tell them stuff. So mm-hmm. I do use this, but <laughs> it's an experience that has stayed with us now uh, 19 years. So now, Gettysburg is an amazing place. We've done several events with, uh, um, Mocking down there. Uh, I brought Richard Felix over from the UK, who was on Most Haunted, and uh, we did the land, the Daniel Lady Farm, and uh, we we one of the and we also uh, rented out the Little Round Top Farm, which was water. Nice, good, very nice. Good experiences, yeah. But one of the most interesting things we were uh, this is back in the early days when uh, Maureen Wood and, and myself were the the two hosts of. Uh, Ghost Chronicles, and uh, I was in the engine station, and I was interviewing uh, the manager of the place, and Maureen and everything were out in the back where the engines were and everything else. There was a group with her, and uh, there was a cameraman and, a, and uh, somebody else with me as well. And all of a sudden, we heard this huge bang that came out from the back. And uh, I mean, I was filming at the time, so you could see me you know, interviewing the guy also, and we, we see here this big bang, and we all go running towards the back to see what happened. And of course, there was nothing that happened. But the interesting <laughs> part about it, the interesting thing about it was you can see on the tape how we all reacted and everything, but there's absolutely no recording of the noise. Wow. And it was a huge noise. So it's kind of like a, a reverse EVP where you you hear it audibly, but it's not recorded. It's not recorded. That's amazing. Yeah, it's, it's one amazing. of the most one of the, it was one of the unique experiences I had. I've I've been lucky to have quite a few different experiences. A lot most times when I'm not looking for things. But anyway, so um, when you go out investigating now, do you find that uh, some of the places you go to, if you don't do it like some of the TV shows, they ask you why, or is it, do you think that's a, you run into that? If we don't, if we don't do it like some of the TV yeah, shows. Yeah. Oh, you don't do it can. like it's on TV. So, or you don't do it like Zach, <laughs> or you don't do it like uh, Jason, or you don't do it like one of the other ones. I, I ever, find some, some do, I do find some people will say that. And I, I know because we, one of the things about our ghost tours is most of our tour guides are all paranormal investigators in some form or another. And so we're able to share a little bit of a different perspective, not only just by telling the stories and the history and the information, but we'll share many of our personal experiences and, and whatnot. And, and I do know there is, a, there is a group out there that, that will believe anything and everything, uh, so to speak. And I don't want to diminish or down anybody or anything else, but yeah, at yeah, least yeah. from my experiences, of course, we have a short, much shorter time limit than, you know, a production crew or anything like that. Yeah, we're there for eight hours. And I, I, I often will say it, it doesn't happen for us like that. I mean, a lot of times, and I use, I reference this a lot. It's like watching paint dry or grass grow. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but when something does happen and you're able to capture it and you can validate it, it's like, it's pretty exciting. I mean, at least for, for me, and I know many of our members, but, uh, yeah, we do. We talk a little bit about that. And, and we do, you know, like I said earlier, we do talk 
I think for people that are interested into it, and we, you know, we'll ask people if they're interested in the part of investigating about a certain way. We do try to stress about not trespassing and doing things at least, you know, the right way, what we believe the right way is. And trespassing is a big no-no for us. But like I was saying earlier, when we had we were Shinder Valley Paranormal Society and the group got quite large, uh, you know, we've been, it takes to go through some of that stuff when you do have different personalities and ideologies and oh, yeah, individuals yeah. that come into your group and you don't bet them completely. It's hard to bet somebody anyways properly. You have people that do that, uh, but we don't keep them around. Uh, the trespassing is a big no-no in our group, as well as provoking and things like that. We don't do those things. Yeah, I, when when I taught um, paranormal CSI at Northern Essex Community College, one of the uh, oh, oh, two minutes left. Oh, great. Uh, one of the things that I always told everybody, when you go in to investigate, uh, you should leave your beliefs in a job by the door. You're there really to collect evidence and, and not to believe in anything. You're just supposed to look at it strictly as a, you know, not skeptical. Well, skeptical is a good word, I guess, uh, yes, in, in a way. And, uh, you know, collect the evidence and, and not make judgments of it because a lot of times we act like judge jury and executioner and when we're out things and we get we get something immediately we've we've just already deciphered what it was and and who it is and everything else and it's it's not you're sad. exactly right yeah. and i tell our team i tell our team even to this day if there's a location that we do and say like it's been on television but to try to block those things out and just think, focus on the investigation itself and what we want to accomplish. Be very grounded with it, but to block things out of what you've witnessed or seen and just don't, you know. I know um, this was years ago where we had had on social media, which we don't do. Um, I hate to tell anymore. you this, but we got like a minute left, so we got to wrap it. So Okay, not a problem. That's so unfortunately, uh, if people want to get in touch with you, how could they do that, Marty? Your ghost tours and so forth. Uh, well, the ghost tours, you go to our website. Uh, it's at ghostofstanton.com. Uh, you can also catch us on social media, Facebook. We have a Ghost of Stanton uh, Facebook page. Our paranormal group is blackravenparanormal.com. Mm-hmm. And you can find Black Raven Paranormal on Facebook, too, as well as YouTube. We have a YouTube channel uh, if you want to contact us. And uh, we would love to have you come down for a ghost tour anytime you're down this way. We will take good care of you, man. <laughs> so I want to thank you for being on the show and sorry about the uh, problems in the beginning. You you came through really good after uh, the initial problems on the show. So I thank you once again. And uh, sometime I'd love to have you back and we can go a little bit more into your investigation. Uh, I would love that. I, I thank you so much for the opportunity. As soon as I saw your name, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm doing this work or no work. So I'm, on, I'm on a long extended lunch, but <laughs> thank you. All right. Good night. and God bless everyone. Thanks, Marty. Thanks. to ghosties, long-leggedy beasties, and things that go bump in the night. Deliver us, good Lord.